This is the Grits and Grids podcast, a conversation with creatives from around the world about creativity, design, and all things in between. Hey everyone, thanks for listening in. This is the first episode of season three of the Grits and Grids podcast. We have a whole new format this season. We're going to have monthly episodes that explore different topics and discussions with three different creatives each episode. Really exciting stuff. This month, the month of February, the month of love, we will be talking about keeping the passion alive in your everyday work. We all know how as you start to design, you get into the thick of things, sometimes you can start to burn out a little bit or maybe lose your focus or lose what got you here in the first place. Well, my three guests this month are going to talk to us about how they keep the passion alive within themselves and how they instill it within their teams. This month, I'm speaking with Jay Fletcher, OJ Fletcher Designs, Simon Manship, who's the founder of a global design agency called Someone, based out of London, and then finally, I'm speaking with Matt Dawson, who is also known as Stay Gray Pony Boy and one of the creators of the Crop Conference, based out of Louisiana. Enjoy. here with Jay Fletcher, who has been in Charleston for about 20 years. Don't ask him about the math. He hasn't done the math. Um, But Jay, in that time as a designer, how have you kept your passion alive for the work you do um, on a day-to-day basis? Um, Have I kept it alive? No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Man, uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. You know, we'll preface this whole thing by saying I don't have... (laughs) answers to any of this. Um, I've, I've, all, I've never worked at a design studio. Um, I've always, you know, I, my first job out of school was at a daily newspaper and I did that for a long time. Um, and buddies were in design and they were all working in agencies and, and studios and stuff like that. And I just thought it was so cool. And I kind of slowly started doing that myself, but I've always done it by myself for myself. Um, you know, I, I have, processes and things processes processes i'm not sure processes Processes. sounds really cool yeah yeah we'll go with that and make myself sound snotty i have processes Mm -hmm. in place that work really well for me um other stuff that probably doesn't work that well i don't know i mean i it it took a long time to find a work-life balance that that was good and worked for me um that's probably a big part of it people ask me i get asked all the time like how do you fight burnout how do you um stay creative yet. You know, I've always really tried to look at design. I think you should look at, at design as it, it's not your art, you know, it, it is to some degree, but it's largely for whoever you're doing it for. It's for the client or it's, you know, um, and all clients are different. And, and every time, you know, somebody will come my way and, and they, they work for a, a nuts and bolts factory and they're worried right off the bat, that I'm not going to be interested because they work for a nuts and bolts factory and that's super boring. And and to me, it's no, man. I mean, I've never done any design work for a nuts and bolts factory. Let's talk about what makes nuts and bolts really cool to you, you know? And so every time I start a new project or, or work with somebody new, it there's sort of this rebirth, I guess, of the whole mm-hmm. thing for me, diving into something completely new and, and meeting new people and, and learning about this whole new thing. And, and um, so that, you know, and, and, and anytime I sit down to start a new project, I couple that with, man, this is, this is an opportunity to do the greatest thing I've ever done, you know? Um, 
Mm-hmm. So the passion is kind of reignited with every project. Maybe that all sounded a little syrupy and, and hokey, but it, it's kind of true, you know? And then again, the, the work-life balance thing. Um, if, if the computer gets to be too much for me, I, I get the hell away from it. It's, it's kind of that simple. And yeah, and I don't want to instill um, something in you that maybe isn't there. But um, <clears throat> there was a time where uh, vigor was just me. Um, this is many, many moons ago, uh, which is how I measure time like any normal adult. Um, and I found that there were days where it was exhilarating and I would get into a flow. But I got to say that it did start to get a little bit um, lonely. I missed that human interaction and I found that yeah. my balance started leading more towards human interaction and less work. And that became a problem. Um, do you find that? Do you fight that? What's that like? Um, yeah. The first thing I'll say, which is kind of funny, I guess, is yes, I'm, I'm at home alone all day. Um, and I have iMessage up and running all day. And anybody that wants to say anything to me <laughs> is going to just get bombarded with communication back at them because <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think of myself as being lonely. I'm kind of a loner. Actually, I've always been really independent, but yes, when the opportunity presents itself to chat with somebody or, or talk, I mean, I just start babbling and, and I rapid fire and then I realize, Oh wow, I'm never around anybody. You know, um, maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe I need this. My wife is a teacher. She teaches, um, she's taught, a bunch of different grades right now. She's teaching two-year-olds actually. But she, so she has this job where there's little kids climbing all over her all day and they need her so bad. And, and she, it, it's the polar opposite in terms of interaction, mm-hmm. right? So she walks in the door when she gets home and, and I jump up and I, I'm sort of craving that. How are you doing? What's going on? Like, here's another person, you know, and she mm-hmm. has the opposite reaction to me. She's kind of, geez, man, I need, can I get 45 minutes where nobody is near me? Nobody's talking <laughs> to me. Um, so none of that answers your question, but that's kind of the first thing that jumps to mind when it comes to no. It's, it's good to know though. At, like at home, uh, at home alone all day. Yeah, you're like a Jay Russell Terrier, not a Jack Russell Terrier. You're like, yeah, hey, what's yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. I love you. I love you. Yeah. Do you know that I love you? I love you. Let's hang out. Yeah, that that's sort <laughs> of maybe exactly how I am. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> there, are, there cre- are worse ways to be. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, from a creativity standpoint, an actual like business standpoint, I I don't think it I, I probably kind of like it, honestly. You know, um mm-hmm. if I'm really in the zone, the headphones go on and there there's nothing that can pull me out of it. I'm here by myself and that and that's all it is. So I think I probably enjoy it for the most part. Mm-hmm. What what would you say your biggest challenge um I guess in um your everyday work or just generally keeping passion thriving. Uh, what, what's the biggest challenge you face and how do you get through it? So my giant broad brushstroke answer for a lot of what we're going to talk about is I've somewhat recently became a dad. I have a son. He's a uh, nice. two and a half year. Yeah, it's great. Um, he's two and a half years old and that in, in tons of different ways, large and small has, has been, how do I say this so I don't sound like a bad dad? It's it's really <laughs> it's affected work way more than I thought it would, and I've had to sort of relearn a lot of stuff and force myself to be ways that aren't necessarily natural to me. You know, I, I never before he was born, I worked all the time. Um, I would just 
I'd get up and sit down at the desk and I'd work from, you know, eight, eight or nine in the morning until 10 or 11 at night. I did that all the time. And I never thought, wow, like I'm, I'm a workaholic or, you know, it just was natural for me because I, I love doing this and there was nothing else to do, you know? Um, right. And so I just worked, 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 worked. But again, I never thought of myself as Mr. Worker guy. And then he came along and it made me realize, it, oh my gosh, I was Mr. Worker guy. You know, once mm-hmm. it was taken away from me, it, it kind of made me see I had really carefully crafted this world that was designed for me to be 120% productive from a design standpoint all the time. And then it just kind of went away. And and I thought, you know, when he, okay, when he's born, I'm going to take a month off and, you know, or maybe even just a couple weeks off and then I'll kind of work half ass for a couple weeks. But then after that, I'm firing on all cylinders again. And it, man, he's two and a half years old and I'm still kind of figuring that part of things out and getting back into the groove and, you know, when he's here, not much is going to get done. If he's gone, I need to be productive, even if I don't feel like it. Um, I'm thinking about him all the time. It's it's been it's been pretty crazy. What a he's amazing. But from a work standpoint, it was kind of this major wrench in the gears. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing to say. I mean, it's very honest, and it sounds like you you've gone from <clears throat> always trying to create a work life balance to now it's a work life life balance. So. You've compounded that scenario. Um, I think, yeah, that's probably a really, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it and accurate. And and, and it it happens. um, Obviously you're not the first dad. I don't know if you know that, um, but you're not. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I feel like maybe I am, but I know I'm not. But I think what's good though is like there's, because of that, there is a, um, maybe a prototype or some sort of like best practices. Um, And more and more, I think, this generation of designers, uh, of which I think I'm in, maybe, um, we're having children. I'm not having children, but they are. And uh, as a result, this is new to us. And maybe finding a way to balance, not just balance it, because that sounds like it's something you have to manage, but embracing it more and integrating it into your everyday work and passion is something that could actually spawn even more creativity from sources that you didn't have before. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. flip side, the really positive side to this coin, which you're talking about, I think is just um, the sense of responsibility is so much mm-hmm. greater now that he's in my life, which is cool. You know, um, this isn't just to put food in my mouth anymore. Now it's to put food in his mouth. And I don't know, not, not that I was, fucking around before he was born. But now that he's around, it's like, man, no, you know, no fucking around. This is important. Um, yeah. You can't give him tacos yet. You yeah, get yeah. to think about his food. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, initially that that's some awesome advice on keeping your passion and how you keep things going, especially as a solopreneur, um, I guess is probably the right way of putting it. Thanks for joining me uh, this month and I look forward to the next months that we'll be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hi there, everyone. Um, so my name's uh, Simon Mantic, as you say, and uh, I'm one of the co-founders here at Someone. Um, it's a, um, a global branding and design studio. Uh, we're operating all over the world, but we're based in uh, our HQs in London. We're also in Berlin and in Sydney, Australia, 
and opening in New York um, very soon. So um, yeah, working all over the place. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Um, in your time as a founder of someone, uh, a creative uh, and a general like brand thinker, how have you kept the passion for that alive in the work that you do? Well, I suppose, I mean, it's a, a, big, a big question that, but I suppose, uh, I mean, I've always wanted to do what I do. Uh, and I've always wanted to work with the kind of people that we're working with. And so I don't find it particularly easy uh, to kind of say no to stuff like that. So the kind of the passion is definitely there. Um, I think that the, one of the kind of mantras that we've had at someone from the get-go is this idea that the answer is yes, what's the problem? Um, and I think that when we enter into a lot of projects in that regard, you kind of you, you find things quite easy because um, you end up in all sorts of difficulties so things kind of start to uh, arise that you wouldn't expect. And so you have to kind of be really enthusiastic about this stuff and say, right, okay, well, I didn't realize that we were going to do a film, but that sounds great. Let's do it. You know, or I wasn't expecting to have to do a sculpture or a 3D printed crazy you know, maquette for this project. But yeah, great. Let's go for it. So I think that the, the idea of entering in with positivity uh, and having a passion behind this stuff is kind of really um, kind of hard set into our approach here at someone. It's something I've always kind of said is that, you know, you enter into these uh, relationships with new clients um, hoping to do great things for them. You never really enter into them where you think, oh, I'm just going to try and do as little as possible. So I think that's one of our key things is that we really try and over-deliver at someone. And uh, that seems to help keep that thing going, really. Also, I think that kind of we don't try and repeat ourselves a lot of um, design companies can get quite comfortable quite quickly when they find a, a system that works and, and that kind of uh, keeps clients coming in the door. They repeat themselves over and over again, whereas I think we're happy to kind of take more risks and, uh, and try new things. And that definitely keeps things more exciting. Yeah, I mean, and as, as a leader in a leadership role, it's a little bit different, obviously. Um, you know, so there's there's a passion with inside you, and I have this little vision of uh, a young Simon running around the playground, and everyone wants to be a firefighter, and you're like, I want to be a brand expert. <laughs> um, but how do you stoke the flames for the team? You know, I think um, especially when you're you're in the thick of it, it can kind of get daunting, and maybe folks maybe not lose the passion, but get a little bit uh, jaded or burnt out. Um, how do you how do you you know um, keep that passion alive for them as, yeah. as a leader? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, th I, I think the thing is there are four founders of someone and uh, each of us kind of come to projects with very different approaches. Um, and I suppose my angle is to um, try and avoid being, uh, being a micromanager. Um, so I suppose that, you know, I'm, I'm you know, hugely impressed by the, the work that everyone does at the company. And uh, actually, I see my role much more to be something that kind of stopping bad things happening to great ideas rather than trying to impose my own ideas and things. Although it can't be said of all the founders. <laughs> I think everyone takes a different angle. Um, right. But that, I think that actually keeps it quite interesting for the designers because they don't really know which founder is going to be working on the project. Um, and so, you know, they, they have to be kept on their toes and, uh, you know, things are very lively. And uh, debate happens very, very quickly if um, projects seem to be going wrong or if they're not going in the right direction or people feel unhappy about the work. So um, it's all quite kind of agile in that respect. Um, and I think, you know, keeping, keeping that kind of uh, overload at bay is really difficult. You're quite right. You know, it's really hard to stay focused if you have a thousand things going on, which I'm afraid we do. And so I think that the, the key thing there is really to remember 
to kind of feed the brain. And I think we kind of that's definitely what I try and do. It's like reading and, and experiencing and going to the weirdest things I can think of and not getting trapped in the latest design annual or reading the latest marketing book, but much more interested in kind of real life and, and what's actually going on out there. And that's generally much more inspiring. And then you can pass on those experiences and ideas that you've collected onto teams and hopefully give them a more lateral uh, sense of inspiration rather than literal uh, senses mm-hmm. um, that you know you're more used to, and that seems to seems to work. But truthfully, our team really doesn't need a lot of inspiration. Certainly not for me. But um, I'm I'm more there to kind of um, keep clients uh, abreast of what's going on and, and understanding that these are not random choices, but they're actually carefully concocted plans to ensure mm-hmm. that uh, they achieve the objectives thereafter. Yeah, I think. You know, you touched on some really good points there. I think you know, getting outside of your comfort zone in your space. Um, I think it's so easy just to get trapped in front of the uh, the glowing screen, especially when you're overworked, like you said, um, or not overworked, but you're just you're busy. Um, yeah. But yeah. there's a whole world out there, and yeah. I think our goal is to you know, um, our goal is to connect with humans. And so if you're not out around humans, that becomes less and less likely. Completely true. And I, th- I think, you know, we, we're big fans of saying that, you know, we're not actually in a design business here. We're in a people business. And the more you can understand what's making those people tick, the more likely you are that you're going to create something that they're happy with and yeah. is successful because they know their, their customer. And I, I completely agree with the staring at the screen thing. I'd much rather that if people weren't actively working on something, they'd go out and do something more interesting um, mm-hmm. and they'd kind of come back with the experiences that they've gathered there. In fact, you know, we, we have sessions here at someone where, um, you know, we, we actively encourage everyone to go out and do things that they wouldn't normally do, whether that's visiting crazy new restaurants or, or theatre mm-hmm. or, you know, exhibitions or, or just kind of finding new parts of London uh, to explore or, 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 or all over the world, really. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, life isn't what happens in front of the screen. It's everything else, really. Right. So what's been the biggest challenge um, to your passion uh, in keeping it going? And, and how did you get through it? Like, were you ever up against something where maybe it wasn't passion, just maybe something really frustrating that, um, you know, just kind of put you up against the wall? And, and how did you break through it? Uh, were there ways that were more methodical? Was it a little bit of a stroke of, uh, you know, luck or lightning that helped you through it? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think that the, the toughest thing really is when things get rejected. Uh, I think that's really difficult um, because I think that a lot of um, clients um, don't realise that every single project a designer does um, involves a a bit of them. Um, You're not just kind of uh, robotically regurgitating facts and figures. You're not an accountant or or, you know, a lawyer or someone that's kind of um, finding facts and then uh, recounting them, you're creating something new. And so it's really difficult um, when you get work rejected, I think. And I think we, we know, we, we face that daily. And I think that the, one of the biggest challenges with the design industry as a whole is the amount of waste that's involved in, uh, in our job. Because I think it's kind of crazy, like 90% of the work that's generally done doesn't go through. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we kind of get quite good at bracing ourselves for re- for rejection, really, uh, without kind of getting soul-destroying, uh, kind of crushing defeats. It's more right. like, <laughs> kind of like, okay, cool. Uh, that's not for now. That's for later. And let's go and, and try and do that again. And so I think that's the sign of a really good um, designer is someone who can pick themselves up quickly um, after that doesn't go your way and start to kind of move on to new directions. And, don't, and I don't think there is a global approach to that. 
there's certainly no kind of um, tutoring that we give people here. I think it's a state of mind that you you kind of accumulate with experience. And I think the first few times it happens to you, it's really, it's really bad and really difficult. Right. Um, but you know, it's, what's interesting for uh, you know, I've seen recently is there's been a couple of quite high um, profile rebrands where um, the process seems to be that actually that they um, they've been presented with say 30 or 40 logos. And I think, what, what, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I'm assuming what happens is that all of those logos are part of a process and they're presented to a client, whether all at once or one after the other, I'm not sure. But um, it's it's kind of like, do you like this one? No. Okay, here's another one. No. Here's another one. No. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, and that feels really strange to me. Uh, and, and it's definitely something that we do not adopt and have not done here at Someone because that beauty parade of of kind of uh, design seems to be a, a very difficult and quite a vicious circle. Once you're in that world, it seems to devalue things. So fortunately, a lot of our work does go through pretty quickly because we're very careful about listening at the very beginning. So that kind of keeps the, the wolf from the door, really, avoids you getting into that situation in the first place, where it seems like a lot of um, design companies don't take that approach. And I don't, I don't think and they do it deliberately, um, and I might have got the wrong end of the stick there, but I think... It seems like a strange process that um, can kind of get people in a lot of trouble. Right. It's it's like the, the spaghetti on the wall thing, and I think um, yeah, you know, we have a similar a similar yeah. approach to it as well. Where if you've done your due diligence, if you've done strategy work, at least in the very lightest of senses, you should be pretty homed in on around about uh, an area of what would be a good communication uh, device. Uh, whether it's logo or identity. Um, so how could you go in with that many things? But, you know, I've, we, I think we've all been up against a client that had us back on our heels. And it's funny because we almost forget the lessons that we that we learned sometimes. And, yeah. and then you remember, you're like, oh, wait, yeah, no, this is a bad client. I don't think we need to be doing this work. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Never I mean, again. And yeah, it's all happens and again. And there's nothing more satisfying than firing a client. So um, <laughs> I, don't true. People, I don't think people should ever hold back from doing that. If it's going south and not working, then um, absolutely make that call. And actually what we found in the past is that when you do make that call and you ring up the client and say, I'm really sorry, this isn't working. Uh, in our experience, what generally happens is that they remove the problems that have been put in place and you've been kind of getting along with, and they often um, kind of give you more budget to play with as well. So it can be a good thing to make sure that you do make that two-way street and that you're not purely um, acting like a servant, but you're actually a right. part of the team. So, yeah, completely. They're usually quite surprised. Uh, yeah. They, they, they forgot that it was a much of a, a choice for you to be there as for them to you know, choose you. And, uh, you're right. I think it can have a positive spin, but it's always going to be a positive spin. Cause I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if you're having di- difficulties in a relationship, whether it's client, personal friendship, anything, chances are more often than not, they are too. Yeah. Um, you're just the first person to address it, which yeah. means you can either fix it or you can just shake hands and say, good luck. Uh, it, I, I've referred other agencies to clients that we've let go because it's, it's rare's the case where I think the client is truly bad. Um, yeah. you know, it's just usually like a cultural thing or just a, a personality thing. So that's, yeah, that's great absolutely. advice. Yeah. Yeah. I've always loved that um, Eric Speakman uh, quote where he just says that he won't work with assholes. And I think that's a very right. good, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good quote, a little bit. 
I love it. I love it. I mean, unless your niche is uh, uh, proctology uh, doctors, true, in which case, true. I guess you have. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he has a little bit of yeah, right. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> What's well, awesome? This is this is some great thinking and advice from uh, across the pond uh, on keeping the passion alive. Thanks so much for chiming in. On that. I'm here with Matt Dawson of Stay Gray Pony Boy and also the coordinator of CROP, a conference in Louisiana. Um, hey, Matt, so in your years of being a designer and, and coordinating everything, how do you keep your passion alive? Um, you know, really, for for me, it's kind of uh, it's kind of always about uh, perspective. You know, uh, any anytime I'm ever anytime I'm ever down or levels of passion are low, uh, you know, it kind of takes like a kick in the pants to, you know, to just like remind yourself like, man, like what you're doing is so much cooler than what other people get to do on a daily basis. Um, you know, like I've, I've been, I, I don't know, I've been upset at a client email or the way like a client meeting went or a pitch went or something sometimes. And then, you know, I, I work from home and then like, I kind of snap out of that fog and I look up and I've got, you know, I've, I've got, I'm, I'm working from my home, you know, I've got my favorite TV show on in the background. I'm able to, you know, not have to go pay five bucks for a cup of coffee. And, and, you know, like for me, like it's that perspective of realizing that, Hey, like what you're doing is pretty cool. Uh, all the other stuff, all the, all the, baggage that comes with it is just part of it. Like the good outweighs the bad. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've been doing this professionally now for, you know, like 11, 12 years almost. And it, it's still, you know, it, I haven't gotten tired of it yet, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's all about just like giving yourself little wake up calls whenever, you know, like whenever you, you need a push, um, what would an example of uh, that wake up call kind of be? Is it just a, a reminder of this is really awesome? Um, or are there other things that you do to sort of spark that? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much just, uh, you know, take, taking a break from whatever's bogging you down at the time. Um, and kind of just re recentering and refocusing. Um, sometimes, sometimes that takes a call to a friend or, you know, like your, your significant other and, um, you know, venting is good and kind of, kind of helps you just kind of helps you shake, shake everything off and, um, and get re and get, get recentered and rebalanced and realize, man, you know, all right, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to get back to it now. I'm going to go, I'm going to go tackle this project and I feel much better about it now. And similarly with crop, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to get, um, a little bit overwhelmed, by uh like sometimes it's it's easy to let the the overwhelming feelings uh outweigh the passion and mm -hmm. you, you just really have to step outside of yourself step outside of your own mind and your own troubles and just kind of like look at what you're doing and like what you're building whether or not it's a logo or a poster or an actual conference and you know it's it's just looking at it from outside of your own perspective and like how would somebody else feel if they saw somebody doing this they would, they would probably think that's pretty cool. You know, like how would you feel if you stepped outside of an accountant and you looked at this accountant sitting there crunching numbers and do, you know, doing, right. doing this, uh, really, you know, really analytical stuff. Like you probably wouldn't be 
oh man, that's awesome. But you know, like most anybody in our field, you know, like they, they hear what you do, they see what you do and they're like, oh, that's really cool. So I think it's good to remind ourselves sometimes that what we do is pretty damn cool. You know, well, I've even seen scenarios like that happen uh, in the past, be out with friends, talking to people and the inevitable, what do you do question comes up and you know, he's always sort of like, I'm just an accountant, dude. And I get to kind of have fun because I design restaurant brands and everyone's very intrigued by that kind of stuff. That's kind of that's kind of how I keep my my internal my internal passion going. Um, I mean, I, I, I love design. I've never really had to, you know, had to stay uh, inspired or, uh, you know, anything like that, just because inspiration's kind of all around us um, mm-hmm. from, you know, walking down the aisles of whole foods to Pinterest to dribble to Instagram to, you know, everywhere, you know, being in the battery, uh, for a Braves game and seeing all the rad signage, you know, like, like all, Mm -hmm. all that stuff also kind of just like, you know, it it continues stoking the passion. Yeah. For those who don't know, uh, the battery is actually the area around Atlanta Braves stadium. Um, it's a new stadium. It's wonderful. And it's this outdoor kind of mall, full of retail and restaurants and it's just so much fun to go up there even if there's not a game and it's been a really big draw for people in Atlanta as well um moving moving along Matt when you do get bogged down are there things or actions that you take that you can rely on to sort of pull yourself out of that funk it kind of all comes back to you know to to what I was to what I was saying a minute ago and just you know really being able to step away from it Um, as far as passion for passion for design, um, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like we can all have bad days and sometimes that can dim the passion a little bit. Um, you know, like I, I actually had one of the worst pitches of my entire career this past week. That was kind of, that was kind of easy to, um, you know, easy to let ruin my day. For, mm-hmm. for just a minute, you know, like uh, it, it ruined a, a minute of my day. Um, but, you know, for, for me, it was it was talking it out with uh, my two other partners and kind of, you know, just re re again, recentering and just realizing that it wasn't anything that we did on our end. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't the work like sometimes it's just the person. You know, so like it, it's examining things from like different angles, um, you know, like verse like sometimes like we're so one sided because like what we do is very is very subjective and singular to us as designers. Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody like snuffs out your your candle, it's it's real quick to be kind of hurt by that or really easy to be to be, you know, affected by that negatively like that. That's just that's just a, a recent example. But again, it's you know, for me, it's refocusing, reminding yourself that what you do is awesome. Um, leaning on others, like don't be afraid to reach out to others and, you know, talk with somebody, you might get a different perspective, you might get, you know, an angle that you haven't considered before. Um, it's, it's just like, it's just like fresh eyes on a project, right? Like whenever you've Mm -hmm. been toiling over something and then like you get your wife to come look at it and she sees something that you didn't see and you're like, Oh wow. You know, or, you know, your, your studio mate or whatever. Um, same thing with fresh eyes on a project. It's good to have fresh ears on, um, you know, some of the things that can dull our passion. It's a really good point. I mean, I think when, when you go into a scenario that you thought you had aced and you come out on the other side thinking it was a 
complete failure. That is such a passion killer. Um, and it's really hard sometimes for people to get unstuck off of it. Um, self-doubt creeps in. How did we do this so wrong? How did we misinterpret this? Um, that can really be, you know, steamroll towards uh, some time spent not feeling the best and, and definitely not being passionate about what you're doing. Um, we had some scenarios in our past, uh, some where we were completely blindsided by what we thought was a discovery session that quickly turned into a, um, a pitch with the CEO of a rather large company. And it's really tough to walk away. I, I found that afterwards, though, having like a debrief with the team and sort of aligning on what they heard versus what I heard really helps us find some middle ground, maybe clear up misconceptions of what had happened, and then also figure out a plan for how we prevent it in the future and come out stronger on the other side. But it is a really tough spot to be in, and, and you know, it does happen. It's just, um, I think... Shortening the time it takes to recover from it is probably the best thing someone can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it happens. And, you know, for every for every one of those, there's, you know, there's there's 20 more good ones. It's just funny how, you know, it's it's funny how <clears throat> much we can take those other 20 for granted and really let that one kind of shift the narrative. Uh, and like looking at it from that from that perspective, too. It's like, wow, you're going to let one of 20, you know, mm-hmm. make you second guess all, all sorts of things. Like, like you've got to look at these other 20 that were like just smashes. Yeah. It's like that saying that there's, you know, 2000 or 20,000 minutes in a day and you're going to let one bad minute ruin all of them. Oh you yeah. Know? I like that. It's like, Some, yeah. somehow that one has, has missed my radar, but, but I do like that. Yeah. I like it as well. I, I oftentimes think of it, um, especially when things are getting a little bit rough and we have that one moment that seems to knock me off of my, uh, my momentum, but this has been great feedback, great information and a little bit of insight into how you operate. Um, I'm sure it's extremely valuable for the listen- listeners and I really uh, appreciate you coming on board and making the time to talk to us today on Grits and Grids. That about wraps it up for this episode. A big thanks to Simon Manship, Jay Fletcher, and Matt Dawson for taking the time out of their day to shed some light on how they keep the passion alive. I really hope you got a lot of good value out of what you heard today. Uh, If so, please do rate us on iTunes as well as uh, Google Play if you can. Uh, All the reviews really help us get found, get noticed, and um, allow us to do things like this more often. Uh, Thanks again for listening. That's all for this episode, everyone. Thanks again for listening in. Be sure to follow us at Grits Grids on Instagram and give us a great review in the iStore and Google Play. Thanks so much.